Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group, an Edison energy company. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha. I'm joined for my catch-up on the UK and European commodity markets by our Energy Risk Manager, Dan Vesey. Dan, we've often commented on the importance of weather, uh, increasing importance of weather, in fact, in the, in the power and gas systems. And, of course, that's been highly topical at the moment, hasn't it, with a heat wave in southern Europe. So, so what's your take on this and what it means for the commodity markets? So, yep, yeah, you're right, Jeremy. There has been some extreme heat around in, in southern Europe. Northern Europe seems to have got away with it at the moment. So it, it, it's strange to think that, yeah, in Italy, Spain, that we're, we're talking temperatures into the mid to high 40s. Whereas we're sat here in the UK and it's uh, it's barely getting up into the 20s. But but yet there is a significant heat wave around at the moment in southern Europe. In terms of energy pricing, because this heat wave hasn't blanketed all of Europe, we've not really seen too much of a reaction overall, particularly in the UK from electricity and gas prices. We have seen, particularly in Spain, that's got um, quite a significant amount of uh, solar capacity. That There's obviously some significant generation from that at the moment. Um, but yet hot weather uh, certainly is something that's looking more common. Uh, we have seen it over the uh, the last few summers with, with significant heat. But like I say, in, in, in the general picture of electricity and gas prices for Europe, um, it's not really uh, had a significant impact. The reason for this, I've touched on the, that Northern Europe isn't experiencing this extreme heat. We are still seeing a uh, a lot of rain around in the Nordic region, which is which is good for their um, hydro reserves, which ultimately feeds into to electricity generation. We have seen some issues in in France with their nuclear fleet because of the heat. Basically, when the uh, when the temperatures of the river get too warm, uh, they cannot be used to cool the reactors. So we have seen some reduced capacity at a couple of nuclear reactors over the last week, but. As I touched on, nothing significant in terms of um, impact on energy prices in the main UK and European hubs. Well, I guess that's some consolation, particularly for consumers in Southern Europe who'll be running their aircon flat out, something that, of course, may become even more of an issue if temperatures uh, carry on rising into the future as we expect. And it is interesting, as you say, that there's a split between North and Southern Europe uh, some of us are having domestic arguments here about whether to put the heating on in, in July in London, which is somewhat strange, at the same time as there are temperature records falling elsewhere in Europe. But to some extent, uh, renewables are helping with this, aren't they? Uh, uh, solar in particular must be running at full pelt in, in parts of southern Europe at the moment, and that, that correlates quite well with uh, air conditioner use. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The, the demand in, in a lot of uh, southern European countries at the moment uh, has increased from an electricity point of view, as you say, for air conditioning load. But even if we look at wind generation, we have seen a fair bit of wind generation in the UK, particularly over over the weekend. And we actually saw uh, multiple hours of, of, of negative pricing on the half hourly markets uh, because the significant amount of wind generation and, and reduced demand as a result of it being a weekend and not significantly hot in the UK. Well, that's an interesting point, and we're going to have to get used to uh, wild swings in, uh, you know, from day to day in wholesale prices in the power market too. I, I expect because of the sheer volume of wind on the system. As you say, a few days ago it was producing huge amounts in the UK and much of the rest of Europe, 
resulting um, uh, temporarily at least in some negative pricing um, in the wholesale markets. A great opportunity for those on you know flexible contracts and so on who were able to, to get a bit of value from that on the demand side. But when I checked this morning, just before we started speaking, uh, the UK's 28 gigawatt onshore and offshore wind fleet was only producing less than a gigawatt of power. So it's, it's highly variable, isn't it? Yeah, and that's that's always the uh, the discussions that we've had around renewables, that there is a lot of intermittency. And uh, we know that from a battery storage point of view, we, we need more investment on grid scale to be able to minimise uh, that impact. But yeah, quite right, Jeremy, the, the fluctuations that we see on a daily basis in in wind generation, not just in the UK, uh, but across Europe, has a has a significant impact on spot prices, day ahead prices, which which can fluctuate significantly because of them um, changes in in wind generation levels. Indeed, and you know, one should acknowledge just how important wind is now in terms of saving what would otherwise be demand for gas in power generation. Huge uh, saving there in terms of volume in the UK and elsewhere in Europe. When the wind fleet's running full tilt, it can be quite considerable level of output, often uh, in certain areas exceeding demand. And, you know, thank heavens for that, given the problems we've had with gas over the last year or two. Um, but the gas situation is looking relatively benign, I think, at the moment. What's, what's the short-term news about, uh, you know, gas availability and uh, maintenance and so on? Yeah, so one of the uh, the big drivers that we've seen on the gas markets over the last month or so has been this unplanned outage in Norway on a gas processing plant in Nyhammer. Uh, effectively, this was out for, for a month due to plan maintenance, but then further issues were found, so it was extended by uh, a further month. But that has come back as planned on the 15th of July, so we, we have seen a, a, an increase in, in Norwegian production, which has ultimately led to more gas for the UK and Europe at a time where storages are getting in, well, they are now into the uh, 80% full on average across Europe. Um, so yeah, we've got more supply of uh, Norwegian gas around at the moment. And the next heavy maintenance schedule is now not expected until next month. Um, so we've got a bit of time where we've got some good flows of, uh, of Norwegian gas. But as with anything, unplanned outages do occur. So just as things stand at the moment, things are looking good, but but ultimately that can change as we go through the uh, through the next few weeks. What we're also seeing is, despite LNG demand in Asia increasing, we've also seen favourable price spread towards Asia in the last few weeks. There is still a fair bit of LNG around in Europe, not necessarily going to the UK. Um, we've only got one cargo currently scheduled to the UK, um, but ultimately some of the other big hubs like France, Spain, and Belgium, Netherlands, Germany are still receiving a suitable amount of LNG, albeit it's a, a lower level to what we've seen over the last last few months. But it's, it's still significant to, to meet demand and to um, encourage injections into storage. The general view is that storage levels or gas storage levels, I should say, will be at capacity going into the, uh, the winter period. Um, so that's a positive and and one of the big downward drivers to the market that we've seen over the course of this year. Well, indeed, and there won't be any need for any panic buying of the sort we saw a, a year or so ago to um, to fill up European storage, because we're, we're already very close to, if not maximum capacity, than the sort of largest volume you might see for this time time of year, in fact, unusually so. 
Um, so that is a reassurance, I think, for consumers about what ha what might happen next in the winter period. But we're not quite out of the woods yet, are we, for, for next winter? There are risks. And, you know, what's your view, Andy? Well, what are others saying about the risks to European gas in the winter period? Yeah, ultimately, we even with storage at 100% full going into the winter period, any significant cold snap, any significant disruption to supply, whether that's uh, further cuts from the low pipe gas we still get from Russia, whether that's any unplanned outages, there's, there's still real risk going in, into this winter period if any of that materialises. And the IEA uh, have basically also signalled this in a report they, they've published recently that we're not quite out of the woods yet. Like I say, even with full storage, there's still there's still some significant risk this winter. And if one, two of them risk factors materialise, we could be in a situation coming out of next winter where storage is low. And that will have a knock-on impact that going into next summer, there'll be more demand for gas to, to stop that process and cycle again. So the fact that we are now competing with the likes of China, Japan... South Korea for, for LNG and also some of the other smaller Asian countries that have that started to increase um, and sign long-term LNG contracts. I think, yeah, if we, if we have a situation where there's significant cold weather in Asia, significant cold weather in Europe, we could see some uh, pretty heavy competition uh, and the prices will react and jump up accordingly uh, to try and secure that LNG because Europe ultimately relies on LNG now to, to, to meet demand. Indeed, and uh, as you say, there's gas there if you're prepared to, to pay the price, and that price might include outbidding Asian buyers in, in the case of a tough winter here and elsewhere. And, and lastly, I just wondered in your thoughts, you know, the, the Russian-Ukrainian situation is never far from our minds, and whilst it's true uh, Europe's reduced its reliance on, on Russian gas massively, uh, there's still some Russian gas coming into the system, isn't there? Including in transit via Ukraine, albeit at much, much lower levels than historically. Uh, are, are there any sort of risks there? What's the sort of latest news on there? Is, is that saber rattling from Russia uh, a real issue there? Do you think? Well, we we know that pipe gas from from Russia to Europe is significantly lower than than it's previously been. As you say, there is still uh, gas flowing through Ukraine or transiting through Ukraine into Europe at very low levels. These have been fairly consistent over the last few months. There's not really been any any major changes in them flows. But what we have seen recently is, is Gazprom, the Russian state-owned uh, gas company, has threatened NATO gas, the Ukrainian state-owned gas company, with, with sanctions uh, because NATO gas uh, is currently taking... Gazprom to, to court over various things, including some of the reduced volumes and less transit fees they've got as a result of lower flows through Ukraine into Europe. So yeah, there is that threat around that if, if Gazprom does put sanctions on NAFTA gas, what does that mean to, to that gas that currently transits him through Ukraine into Europe? I will point out though, this has been threatened before last year and nothing came to fruition. So it's a threat. And, he, and like you say, the threat of further supply disruptions from Russia into Europe um, is still very much there. And anything can happen in regards to the remaining flows as we go through the uh, the coming weeks and months. I, I hope your hunch is right is that uh, even if we don't know how these things are going to play out exactly, uh, they've been threatened before and one suspects that a solution will be found. And, and even if there isn't, we're talking about relatively small volumes of gas 
uh, compared with historic norms. So thank you for taking us through that, Dan. I hope there's better news for our colleagues in southern Europe about uh, reduced temperatures. It must be a it must be a strain personally as well as financially uh, dealing with the consequences of the of the, the energy demand. And uh, I guess um, we will hope that uh, perhaps um, things pick up in other parts of Europe too economically on the demand side, which has been an issue we discussed uh, in the past. Well, if you found that interesting and would like to find out more, do have a look at our website alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK on our reports there. And do listen out for a podcast again from us soon.